Welcome to the Story Forest. Original tales for curious and adventurous children. Every night of George's strange half-term, he has woken up in a castle hundreds of years in the past to help the mysterious Clara. History says she disappears, and her uncle says she has to marry her awful cousin. Will George be able to save her before it's too late? Written by Anna Roberts and read by her favourite storyteller in the world, her mother, Pam McNaughton. The Clara Conundrum The next day was tense. George and Mum were both desperate to know what had happened to Clara, how she was coping and whether she would manage to escape on her own. George had left her, having agreed to marry Griffin, pretending that everything was fine and yet trying her very best to get out of it, somehow. There was only one wish left. George had told her to wait until the last possible moment, so that if the worst came to the worst, he could maybe help her. Mum and George went over to the castle, but they couldn't think about much else. George had told Mum everything that had happened in great detail. She had checked the history books, and found a reference to a priest called Thomas in a Sorbeton manner, which they thought probably meant Sir Thomas had got away safely. But they still didn't know anything more about Clara. The hours crawled by, but finally, eventually, it was evening. George went to bed ridiculously early and tossed and turned for what felt like hours and hours. There was a knock on the door. He opened his eyes and Mum came in, holding a piece of paper. You've not been to the past yet, have you? George shook his head and she was relieved. I brought you this. She handed him a piece of paper with old-fashioned looking writing on it. He read it aloud, struggling a little with the old way it had been written. Lord Clarthen, I utterly, I, I utterly forbid the forthcoming marriage between your son and my ward, Clara Greville. She is far too young for such an alliance. I will seek out arrangements for her care elsewhere. Yours, Lord Fairclough. George grinned slowly. It's brilliant, Mum. Did you make it? She nodded. Hopefully it will work. Now, go to sleep. She turned off the light and went. It wasn't long before George was asleep this time. And this time, when he woke, he wasn't in his room anymore. He was in a different bedroom, in a different bed, which felt like the one of the legs had fallen off. He scrambled off the wobbly bed to see Clara, white-faced, big-eyed, looking at him in what looked like utter despair. I'm sorry, George, she spoke gravely, quietly. I had to make my last wish. I couldn't escape. I tried over and over, but they found me every time. Griffin was following me around. I tried to convince the new priest to help, but he is loyal to my uncle. I get married tomorrow. Her bottom lip wobbled, but she stopped it, making her mouth into a tight, straight line. Well done. George said gently. I'm sure you did well, and this is what your last wish was for. And my mum made something brilliant. Look. 
He showed her the letter and a light came into her eyes, a small spark of hope. My guardian never replied. This is brilliant, George. You've got to take it to my uncle now. George felt fear rising in his chest at having to pretend to be someone from this time in front of all those people, but he nodded anyway. Now really wasn't the time for those sorts of nerves. You'll have to come to the front of the castle and pretend to be a messenger. Let's find you some different clothes. Clara took him down a corridor to a storeroom where she found beaten outdoor clothes. It was already dark outside and it was raining too, thick sheets of heavy rain. George shivered and Clara gave him a small smile. Thanks, George. I'll go to the hall too where my uncle will be. Then I can know if it works. George went down a side entrance, then took a breath and stepped out into the rain. He was soaked instantly, but the letter was safely inside his jacket. He could only hope that it stayed dry. He walked around the side of the castle, climbed over an outer wall, then beat his fist against the large wooden door, huddling in out of the rain, seeing the enormous walls of the castle rise above him, hoping that someone would hear his knocking against the rain. And then the door began to swing open. George drew himself up as straight as he could. And as a man, a servant, looked at him, he spoke loudly, as though he were in the school play. A message for Lord Clarthen from Lord Fairclough. It's urgent. The man raised his eyebrows, then gave a very small nod and let George inside. Follow me, he said, and started to walk along the corridors. George had to force himself to walk slowly, not to run and rush. They drew closer and closer to the great hall and finally to the doors. The man asked him to wait outside and went into the room. George heard him announcing what George was there for and then the door opened and he walked in, heart thudding so loudly he was sure everyone would be able to hear. My Lord Fairclough sends his warmest greetings. George called out, bowing low to the floor. And a letter for you, Lord Clarthen. He stood up straight. Everyone around the large hall was staring at him and Lord Clarthen was looking at him with a blank face. George wasn't sure if it was the right thing to do, but he walked right up to the top table, everyone watching him all the way, and produced the letter with another bow. Lord Clarthen took it and unfolded it. George could see Clara out of the side of his eye, but he looked at the floor. It seemed to take an age for Lord Clarthen to read the letter. Finally, he looked up and he looked straight at George. A strange letter to receive the day before a wedding. He spoke soft and low and his eyes were searching George's face. George clenched his teeth. Haven't I seen you before, boy? And then there was a voice from the back of the hall. Uh, another message from Lord Fairclough, my lord. The servant seemed a little confused and George's heart began to race. What was happening? Was Lord Clarthen doing this? Like everyone else, he turned to see a smart young man who gave a bow with a flourish and stalked confidently into the room, not even looking at George, who had to step out of his way to avoid being barged into. The smart young man handed over another letter, 
and Lord Clarthen read it, his eyebrows raised. There was another silence, and it took all that George had not to look at Clara. What was happening? It seems, Lord Clarthen finally spoke, slowly and deliberately, Lord Fairclough is concerned that Clara is worried about her upcoming wedding. But that isn't true, is it, dear niece? He gave Clara what could have been a nice smile if it wasn't so false. She managed only a squeak. But he encourages her that this is a good match and sends apologies that he can't attend. He sends his best wishes, Clara. Lord Clarthen smiled wickedly, then looked to the servant at the back of the hall. Give these messengers some food. I'll want to speak to that boy later. George had no choice but to bow again and walk along with the other man to the back of the hall. But as soon as he was out of the door, he sprinted, twisting away in the corridors that he knew so well, up and down stairs and ending up in Clara's room, where he hid under the bed. And he was glad he did, as a servant came in to light the fire. A little while after she had gone, someone else came in, carrying something large. And then Clara came. She gasped as she opened the door, then threw herself on the bed. She was silent. George thought it would be better if she had been crying. He rolled out from under the bed and looked up at what Clara had seen. It was a dress, a very fancy dress. It wasn't white, but Clara knew what it was straight away. It was a wedding dress. Clara, he said quietly, trying not to startle her. She sat up and looked at him immediately. There were tear streaks down her face. I thought you must have disappeared, she said. Not yet, he furrowed his brow. I've got another idea, Clara. We need to wait until everyone is in bed. You might have to stay out of the way, though. No way, not this time, Clara spoke forcefully. This is the last chance, and even if, well, it's the last time I'll see you, too. It took George a moment to speak. Yes, yes, fine. Y you can help. And then he told her the plan. Then they waited, with George telling Clara stories from the future to distract her the whole time, which he almost managed. Then the castle was quiet and they crept out into the corridor. Outside it had stopped raining and the moon shone brightly, reaching in the windows and illuminating the edges of furniture and walls with a bright edge of light. The floor was cold and the castle felt like an eerie, strange place. George knew exactly where he was going. They went out into the courtyard with the animal pens where he had been before and opened the pig pen. With hits and whispers, they roused the three great pigs from their sleep and led them inside, treading along the corridors, away from the bedrooms as much as possible. The pigs stepped happily along the stone floors, giving all appearance of enjoying their new surroundings. Then they got to their destination, the corridor everyone must pass through to get to the chapel. The pigs snuffled in appreciation and George and Clara laughed to see them exploring the nooks and crannies of the corridor. 
I'm sure they'll do their worst, George whispered to Clara. No one will get through here in the morning. George had stopped short of letting the pigs into the chapel, out of respect for Sir Thomas, who he was sure would not approve. But if no one could get to the chapel, surely a wedding couldn't happen. No, but... George looked at Clara, and her eyes were lit with mischief. How about we give them some extra help anyway? George laughed, and then they went and found buckets, and went back and forth from the pigsty and the well, slopping water and pig droppings all over the floor until they were exhausted. They went back to Clara's room, where Clara started to show George a Tudor game called Fox and Geese, but they were both yawning, and Clara went to sleep on her bed, and George on a pile of clothes on the floor. They woke to a sharp rap on the door. George! Clara hissed, and George managed to get his wits about him just in time to roll under her bed as the door swung open. Lord Clarthen, in his rage, took up the whole door frame. His skin was bright red. He looked as though he were about to burst like a piece of popcorn. Don't think that I don't know where all this comes from, girl, he said, his voice full of danger and violence. This supposed ghost, the animals everywhere, the food disappearing, Sir Thomas escaping, these pigs! You're darned lucky, girl. If you weren't about to marry Griffin, I'm not sure you'd live to see tomorrow. Pigs? Clara managed to say. Lord Clarthen's reply was dripping with sarcasm. Oh, I'm sure you'll be ever so surprised to hear that the pigs got into the corridor by the chapel last night. It's ruined, along with several items of much value. Oh, really? Clara was sitting on the edge of her bed now, looking very small in a white nightdress. She spoke sweetly. I thought you'd sold all of those things already, Uncle. Lord Clarthen growled, then spoke so quietly that George could hardly hear him. No more of this, Clara. You will marry Griffin today, in the hall, as you have ruined the chapel. And after that, your life is of no value to me whatsoever. You understand? All of this must stop, or you will. Then he turned and walked out of the room. George waited until he heard the door close to roll out from under the bed one more time. He and Clara just looked at one another for a long, long moment. Maybe we'll try Griffin's trick, Clara said lightly. And George looked at her longer. She was shaking. Let, let, let's try to lock the priest in the tower. Clara dressed and they went to find the priest, an old man with beetling black eyebrows who didn't seem to be completely there. Clara said she wanted to speak to him privately and though George was sure that Lord Clarthen would have warned him against this, the priest agreed. And they led him through the corridors until they came to the tallest tower where Clara made him go up first and then climbed up after him and closed the trapdoor. Easy, George said nervously. 
they went to leave, but then Griffin stepped through the door. My bride, he said to Clara, rolling his eyes. Then there was a sound from above them. Griffin looked between George and Clara, then spoke in the same cruel voice that his father had used. I'm going to guess that's the priest. You're getting sloppy, Clara. You should have put him out to sea or locked him in the dungeons. You're not even trying. He walked over to her and took her chin in his hand and roughly pulled it up to his face. I'll get the impression that you want to marry me after all if you're not careful. Then he gave a cruel laugh, stepped away and put his foot on the bottom step. Go and get ready. You don't want to get married looking like that after all. I'll rescue the priest. Clara rushed out into the hall and George followed as she ran. We'll we'll run away, George panted as they ran. We'll get you away from here. Sir Thomas is at a place called Sorberton Manor. I'll take you there. George knew it was unlikely that he would stay long enough to get her there, but they just had to try. The secret passage, Clara said. Let's go there, then out over the roof. There was no time to collect anything, so they went straight to the passage and pushed in behind the suit of armour, started along the corridor and got to the bottom of the stairs. And then they looked ahead of them and stopped. Lord Clarthen sat on the top step. He smiled at them. I did wonder if you knew about my secret passageway, Clara. It does explain a few things. He stood up. It's very useful for getting things in or bodies out either way. He spoke softly. Then, I do hope you weren't trying to escape. I'd better escort you to your room, just in case. Then Clara had to follow Lord Clarthen, and George followed after them until they got to the top of the secret passage, and Lord Clarthen turned suddenly to look at him. Not you, boy. You've caused quite enough trouble, don't you think? And then Lord Clarthen pushed him, and he fell down the stone stairs, shouting and throwing out his limbs to try to stop himself, feeling his elbow and knee and ankle hurt and graze until, suddenly, everything stopped. The next thing he knew, he was cold and in pain and in darkness. He was at the bottom of the stairs in the secret passage and everything hurt, especially his head. He guessed the fall must have knocked him out. He managed to push himself up to sitting. Who knew how much time had passed? With every joint aching, he pulled himself to standing. It hurt a lot and he was pretty sure he had broken something, but there wasn't any time. He ignored the pain as he got to the end of the corridor. Everywhere was silent. There was no one around. And George guessed that they had to be at the wedding. He rushed as fast as he could to the hall where he pushed the doors open in front of him. The hall was crowded with people and at the front stood Clara in the beautiful dress and Griffin and the priest. His leg really hurt and his mind could hardly concentrate on anything Just that one thing, 
must save Clara. And then he realised that it wasn't only the pain that was making everything swim around him, making his vision strange. It was the feeling George got when this world began to fade and he went back to the future. But not this time. No! He shouted, trying to break the spell. And before anyone even thought to put their arms out to stop him, he sprinted and raced to the front of the hall. He threw himself forward, flinging out his arms and grabbing Clara's pale hand. And then there was nothing, a long nothing, like a long, long, dreamless sleep. Then a pale light and a voice speaking that he couldn't quite make out. How are you feeling, George? It was a soft voice. It must be Mum. George groaned. Everything hurts. But Clara, she, I, I couldn't. It's me, George. You rescued me. I'm here. George opened his eyes and started. Clara was there in his room, his room in the future, sitting on the floor and holding his games console, looking all over it curiously. She smiled at him happily. I am so sorry you're hurt, George, but I am so, so, so glad that I'm not marrying Griffin. Y you grabbed me and then the world was strange. It went sort of wavy. And then a while later, I woke up here. Then the door opened and Mum was there and she saw Clara and her eyes went strange and tears fell down from them. And she walked over, sat on the floor and put her arms around her. Clara started crying too. Clara! Mum pulled away from the hug and looked at her, then looked up at George. She seemed to be thinking hard. Then she spoke. Well, you'll have a lot to get used to and we'll have to sort out school somehow. And I suppose we won't have a guest bedroom anymore. But I think we'll be just fine. George's mouth dropped open. Do you mean... Mum looked surprised. Well, of course, George. What else would we do? Of of course, Clara must live with us. And then Clara burst into floods of tears and sobbing. And this time George didn't mind it. And a moment later he was sobbing too with relief, with gladness and with excitement that Clara was safe and was going to live with them. It had been quite a remarkable half term after all. The end. Thanks for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this series as much as we have. Next week, we've got the return of our favourite series. Get ready for adventure. Mm -hmm.